0: Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast Week 11 Injury Report Edition. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and we are here to go through every single fantasy relevant injury ahead of Sunday with some DFS and prop bet chatter along the way. Joining me as always on this wonderful Friday afternoon, PFF analyst Nick Bodiford. Nick, what's going on, man? Great day to be great.
1: It is, dude. I'm excited for this one. Let's get into it
0: let's get at it and with that we're gonna go position by position ripping through all these injuries hopefully about 30 40 minutes and then get to the rest of the show so Bill's quarterback Josh Allen not playing in a bunch of snow that likely would have had Devin Singletary unable to even see he is not listed on the injury report with that handy dandy right elbow injury so Brown's defense 31st ranked defensive scoring and EPA allowed per play I am very upset Nick that my bookie had to cancel my over bet when I smartly immediately heard the news went to go pound that 41 point over, but you know I get it. Book's going to do their thing. Apparently, DraftKings is honoring the over-unders for those guys. So, hey, one of our sponsors we've always been uh, reading off on here. Appreciate you guys over at DraftKings. Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson officially listed as questionable with the illness. I do not know, Nick, another quarterback that gets sick more than Lamar Jackson. The good news is that head coach John Harbaugh already confirmed that Jackson will start Sunday against the Panthers. So, haven't seen a ton of booms from Lamar lately. I mean, hasn't finished higher than the QB 10 since week three. But if you guys check out my mismatch manifesto, always on PFF.com on Friday. If you're not the reading type, I tweet out the charts on Thursday. One of the best matchups of the week against this Panthers defense in terms of combined yards before contact per carry. So wouldn't be surprised if Lamar, maybe even one of these running backs, CC foreshadowing one of Nick's DFS picks can't get going in a big way in this spot. Rams quarterback, Matthew Stafford, not listed with a concussion. And hey, this is PFF's 32nd ranked offensive line after all. So even though Stafford is back, not expecting too much from this passing game. I mean, this dude has even thrown multiple touchdowns in a game since week two. His fewest adjusted yards per attempt since his rookie season, man. What a fall from grace for this entire Rams offense. Do not start anybody involved from the group if you do not have to. And the big one to talk about here, Nick, is going to go to the Arizona Cardinals playing on Monday night against the 49ers in Mexico city so it looks like that cliff kingsbury is going to cliff kingsbury on us and not actually let us know if kyler is going to be starting or not until monday don't have the official designation just yet that will come on saturday but cliff has already called kyler the dreaded game time decision colt mccoy also banged up with a knee injury but i tend to think he'll have the better chance of getting out there nightmare scenario if both guys are out there we get trace mcsorley getting to start against nick bosa and company on monday night so nick again with kyler he was a being called a game time decision last week. We've already kind of got word that they don't really want to force him back into action. I think that's an organizational belief after he did play through the pain in 2020 and it did not go well at all. So we kind of saw this last year where they really did take their time, getting him back out there. Only when he was truly hundred percent, was he allowed to get going? So do you have any lean on Kyler playing? I'm, expecting him not to i would love to hear something before sunday but because it's so like to me it's 50 50 best case and because it's monday night there's a good chance you won't have jimmy garoppolo to pivot to thoughts on the Kyler situation
1: so the, the data suggests that he will sit quarterbacks miss an average of 1.8 games due to hamstring strains. And they see a pretty massive dip in fantasy production at 36.2% in their first game back. That's from uh, Adam Hutchison's injury index. So I don't, I don't think he'll play. I hope that he is able to get a hundred percent and then just come back well above that, uh, that average dip.
0: Yeah. My best ball teams would appreciate if Kyler would push through the pain, but good point. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not expecting Kyler to play. look, If you're like me and you're in some of these leagues where the group of, you know, streamer quarterbacks, it can actually get a little bit deep there in your 10 or eight man leagues if you happen to have one or two of those. Like, I do think it might be worth holding out hope, you know, if you can get Jimmy Garoppolo as the guy to pivot to. But Colt McCoy against this front seven when he's not going to be healthy in his own right, that's pretty rough. So if you have to, if it's close at all, just go with the guys playing on Sunday. Final note here Panthers quarterback, PJ Walker out with an ankle injury, the latest Panthers quarterback to suffer a high ankle sprain. And so we'll be Baker Mayfield under center in Baltimore, not expecting that to go too well. I will say Baker plays best football of the season last time. We saw him in the second half of that Panthers week nine loss to the Bengals. But again, just tough to really expect too much of anything out of this offense. Moving right on to running back, Steelers running back Najee Harris, not listed with that knee injury. Although Mike Tomlin earlier in the week did say that Najee could be limited. So we are still working as the clear lead back ahead of Jalen Warren after the bye. It was more of a 60-40 split. Though, a borderline RB2 this week, I'm ranking Najee as, whereas Jalen Warren, just someone that right now with this still true backup role we can't trust as a standalone player. But my goodness, I don't think there's a better handcuff out there that is still available in more leagues than not. Cowboys running back Ezekiel Elliott. This one is a little bit interesting, Nick, because Zeke said he expects to suit up. Mike McCarthy doubled down said he is anticipated to play. I guess I'm only worried because he's still listed as questionable. And last week he was questionable and Jerry Jones was saying he expected him to play. But I think it's fair to put more credence behind Zeke and McCarthy than it is, you know, forever optimist Jerry Jones out here. I do expect Zeke to play. Are you with me?
1: I think this one's really tough. Like he supposedly suffered a grade two MCL sprain and average missed time is just over three games. So I I, I'm looking at him as like a total um, toss up for this one. But even if he is active, like uh, I don't I think I'm still just excitedly starting Pollard. Yeah, I would
0: have to rank Pollard ahead of Zeke at this point. The big thing that everyone's been kind of missing with Zeke, like, look, go back to that Eagles game two uh, two weeks before he got hurt. I think it was actually the week before he got hurt. He actually outperformed Pollard in that game, was looking pretty spry out there. And then he got injured in that Lions game, you know, continued to play through the pain. So kudos to him for doing that. But the big problem with Zeke is we could live with the kind of the inefficient running, just not quite being as good as Pollard, but still getting the goal line stuff if we had anything in the pass game, but there is nothing this year. There's six total receptions in seven games this season. I mean, if you look in the past, man, last year, Zeke caught 47 passes. Before that, 54 um, 52, 54, and 77. So again, Zeke, even though he's still playing ahead of Pollard, it really has swung more to Pollard with the overall usage even before this injury happened. So if we're not giving Zeke the benefit of a bunch of these checkdowns either, I do think we have to actually rank Pollard ahead of Zeke. That said, Pollard will be more of a mid tier, you know, RB2 as opposed to that locked in top five play that he's been the last few weeks. In Detroit, Jamal Williams not listed. He was, you know, not able to practice on Wednesday with an illness. Good to go the rest of the week. And then we have DeAndre Swift practicing full all week with the ankle and shoulder injuries. But as we know, he is still banged up. So two of the last three weeks, Nick, Swift has not been listed on the final injury report. And he's gotten full practices in to end the week. And yet he hasn't gone out there and actually gotten a big size role. They seem to be more than happy, allowing Justin Jackson to continue to make this a three-back committee. I mean, Craig Reynolds is out of it, and it still just didn't... Even even matter last week so i caved at the end of last week we talked about it when he got that full practice and the no uh, designation it seemed good but at this point nick i'm standing strong i need to see it before i'm treating deandre so there's anything more than an rb3 is that fair
1: yeah i think it's fair the the designation thing is is so aggravating because the the nfl changed their rules for what they do and don't like list on the report even when guys are injured um yeah rb3 is fair i'll I'll probably keep him in the like in the low-end RB2 ranks just because of the upside, but it's what you're saying is fair.
0: It's one of those things, too, where if you do have them at the bottom of your top 24 because of the buys and because some of the other injuries, that's fine. Not someone that like needs to be shoved in the starting lineup so by any stretch of the imagination. Only thing I know with Jamal Williams, guys, 15-plus carries in all but one of his last seven games. This has been a giant defense that we've seen. Drake, ETM, Pollard, McCaffrey, and almost Damian Pierce go for over 100 rushing yards against. Bears running back Dave Montgomery good to go had that personal issue that kept him out of practice on Wednesday not listed on the final injury report guys this is someone that should be forced into the fantasy laps of most shapes and sizes because one Khalil Herbert out for the foreseeable future with that hip injury that landed him on IR so pretty good matchup here man Falcons defense that's allowed top 10 finishes to Deontay Foreman two of them actually Austin Eckler Joe Mixon had an RB 11 finish so yes Justin Fields we've talked about this plenty of times on the podcast guys like Fields, Hurts, Josh Allen, uh, you know, all the dual threat quarterbacks don't always produce the most fantasy friendly running backs because they're scrambling instead of checking down and they factor into that equation near the goal line. But Justin Fields, while he does that, the Bears run the ball so damn much that doesn't really matter. Bears running backs actually have the fourth most carries in the NFL through 10 weeks of action. So you take Herbert out of that and now all of a sudden we're looking at Montgomery getting 20 plus touches in an offense that all of a sudden is showing us some signs of scoring upside. So I do have Montgomery as a top 15 option out to position this week. I'm pulling up my handy dandy rankings so you guys can find on the PFF app and over at PFF.com. And yeah, ahead of James Connor, ahead of Deontay Foreman, ahead of Miles Sanders, Jamal Williams. These are guys that other than Connor, who I just think there's more of a matchup problem and uh, not having Kyler there potentially, but Foreman, Sanders, Williams, even Pacheco, they at least have one other party in their backfield right now, Montgomery sure looks like he'll have none. Interesting one here, Nick. Ravens running back Gus Edwards questionable with the hamstring injury. Over the bye, John Harbaugh did say that the plan is for Gus to play. I did not see him, though, call Gus a game-time decision like Mark Andrews. So might have missed that. Again, you know, trying to get through every single one of these injury reports in a small period of time on Fridays. But it doesn't look great for Mark Andrews with that game-time decision call. I'm a little more confident in Gus Edwards being out there. So that said, man, we've seen this. Regardless of who's active in Baltimore, they're going to use two to three running backs each and every week. So even if Gus is active, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him and Kenyon Drake end up having a similar amount of carries. What's your read on the situation right now? Because it's a damn good matchup against the league. Sixth worst, defense, sixth worst defense in PPR points per game allowed to opposing running backs.
1: Yeah, Gus, I think he'll be super hard to trust just because of the nature of the injury and uh you know, just trying to sift through what the Ravens do with their, with their injuries. Um, We'll talk about Kenyon Drake. I'm high on him this week as for, for Mark Andrews though, were were you saying that, that, uh, oh yeah, he's going to be a game time decision. That is, that seems like gamesmanship to me because he was, he was a full participant in practice today.
0: Okay, that's good. But yeah, they did give him that actual dreaded game time decision call. But that Baltimore, Baltimore game's at 1 o'clock though, so I don't really care as much. We'll find out before the games start, and it'll be great day. to be great. We're done with the 9.30, you know, bullshit over in there in Europe. I'm happy the fans, you know, it was fun. I enjoyed listening to the Germany crowd getting wild too, but we are back on America time. Gotta love that. Bengals running back, Chris Evans, questionable with a knee injury. It's only notable because I've been talking about Samajé Piran being one of those better handcuffs to go get it if you have the room to because guess what one injury to joe mixon and it did seem like p ryan was going to be really set up and while i still do believe that this could make it closer to a 60 40 50 50 split we didn't know how serious evans injury was the fact he's been practicing in a limited fashion and he's questionable goes to show you that it's not overly serious another backup running back that just has some minor ramifications colt's running back deon jackson not listed with that knee injury. So Jonathan Taylor last week kind of lost in, you know, how angry everyone was about Christian McCaffrey's role was the reality that Taylor really did get the old CMC role, 93% snap rate. So maybe Deion Jackson does kind of take the Naeem Hines role and Taylor goes back down to more of a 70, 80% uh, back, but guess what? You're starting him either way. I think it's more of just a question of what's Taylor's actual sky high ceiling, but Nick, this matchup in particular, man, just a little bit with uh, some of our DFS take but I love the idea of paying up to Taylor and even like Dalvin Cook this week. I look, I view these guys very similarly. Most most of the value on DraftKings is in the six to seven K range, really I think Josh Jacobs, like 7,500, where you see most of that ownership drop off. And sure, if he can get all the way up to Saquon, that's great. But with the Colts home seven point dogs against an Eagles defense that is dead last in EPA allowed per run play. They lost, you know, just behemoth Jordan Davis in the middle a couple of weeks ago. And after that, the Texans, went for 168 rushing yards the commanders went for a buck 52. With nobody, I believe, as good as Jonathan Taylor. With all due respect to our guy Damian Pierce. So on the other side with Dalvin Cook, you know we have a situation with the Cowboys. Yes, they've been a great defense overall, but as we've seen, Leonard Fournette and more recently Aaron Jones have been able to pop off big time with 120 plus rushing yards in their own right. So Jonathan Taylor, Nick, is he uh, is he tickling your pickle for a GPP RB
1: play? <laughs> uh, yes, I think GPP is very interesting. I I think we're gonna learn a lot with. Uh, The Eagles having just signed Linval Joseph and Indomitian Sioux, um, you know, can they can they plug the holes Uh, if they I, I like the dice roll. I like the dice roll.
0: That is true. I mean, God, leave it to the Eagles to address every single possible concern (laughs) rather quickly. Great organization these days. Chiefs running back, Jarek McKinnon, not listed with those hamstring and shoulder injuries. Just remember, guys, we take Claude Ebersolaire out of this backfield. Yes, that's great news for Isaiah Pacheco, but there's still two running backs there. The other one, Jarek McKinnon, continues to have that every down pass game role pretty much. So every down pass game. Real good freaking sentencing him, but he's out there getting the majority of the targets. And when we look in this matchup, especially, I guess it is going to be the Sunday night game. So we don't have to worry about as much on the main slate, but RB needy teams out there. Jarek McKinnon without Juju, without me, Hardman. Yes, we're firing up Kadarius Toney all over the place. We'll talk about him in a little bit, but don't be surprised if McKinnon ends up being someone getting those seven to eight targets. Don't hate at all featuring him in showdowns. And again, if you're a needy team and you just need somebody out there and full PPR, you could do worse than McKinnon. Saints RB Mark Ingram continues to be out with a knee injury be a lot cooler if Andy Dalton could actually freaking throw Alvin Kamara the ball but look obviously you're starting Kamara regardless so it's kind of a moot point commanders running back JD McKissick out with a neck injury so with that Brian Robinson continues to split things with Antonio Gibson I don't know why Brian Robinson continues to work so far ahead of Gibson on the ground but guess what he is and they're facing the freaking Texans so this is a great spot for Robinson another guy I really like on DraftKings going pretty much under the the radar just at 5.3k. The Texans have had nine games this year. They've allowed the overall RV one or RB2 on five separate occasions. So really is a defense that I don't think they're gonna be able to stop. What's going on here in Washington? Let's go B Rob and Gibson uh, to a lesser extent. And finally, Raiders running backs Brandon Bolden, and Amir Abdullah. Good to go, but that's okay. Josh Jacobs still very much a beast all right guys before we get going on to wide receiver I want to give a quick shout out to some of our lovely sponsors out there of course we got to pay the bills to keep this wonderful pff fantasy football podcast above ground and with that let's give some love to our friends over at western and southern the pff fantasy football podcast is sponsored by western southern financial group while you focus on your roster moves western and southern helps advance your money moves buying your first home i'm trying plan to start a family you'd like to think so wondering how to make your money grow that sounds great western Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started now at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. Also got to give a shout out to our friends over at DraftKings already complimented them for not, you know, turning off the over-unders for folks that were ahead of the game. That's not fair because guess what, Nick, if you were someone that viewed the over-under on Monday, you saw the weather and you bet the under, guess what bets aren't getting canceled when that game gets moved uh, to Detroit. So just one of those things where it's like, I think there's enough advantages with these sports books already. It's just a shame when they can't give out, you know, just a little bit extra help. So I am very excited, if you guys can't tell, for gambling to be legalized in the fine state of Ohio here before too long, and I cannot wait to take plenty of my business over to DraftKings. One of the really cool features is that right now new customers can bet just five dollars on any NFL team to win their game, and they'll get one hundred and fifty dollars in free bets if they do. And check this out: right now, everyone can earn up to a one hundred percent boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like. Which team will win? Player props, point totals, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code PFF. Place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code PFF. All right, guys, let's move on to wide receiver here. So, First, there are some, you know, IR moves we got to talk about in the next two sections. Most notably, number one fantasy wide receiver, reigning fantasy MVP, Cooper Cup, with that high ankle sprain is on IR, expecting to miss at least the next four weeks. Certainly wouldn't be surprising if he is out for the rest of the season. So look, Allen Robinson has two touchdowns this season, has yet to get 65 yards in a game. Van Jefferson, it took until his third game back to catch a pass. Bennett Scroenek has turned his last 10 targets into 24 scoreless yards. Nick. I, because of this injury, Tyler Higby, like they now actually need him a little bit more as a wide receiver. We saw that last week. I have him back in the tight end one range. Other than Tyler Higby, do you have faith in anyone in this offense? I think I have A Rob as like my wide receiver 31 or something. So, okay, it's not the worst play, but nobody needs to be started by any stretch.
1: No, nobody here needs to be started
0: screw them. All right. You know, just like I want them to be better. Not them personally. You guys can get that. With the Cardinals, good news here, actually. Wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins wasn't called a game-time decision. Thank you, Cliff. Was that so hard? Actually told us that his hamstring issue is more of a maintenance deal, and he clarified that it's not nearly the issue it was last year. So, continue to fire up DeAndre Hopkins as a rock-solid upside wide receiver. One, the bigger question, Nick, is if Marquise Brown is going to be out there. So, our guy Mogul always bringing a positive vibe to the PFL fantasy pods appreciate you my man you did note that hollywood looks like he'll play saw him moving well in practice so it's one of these things where we don't know until monday night so if Marquise does get activated off ir tomorrow that is going to tell us tell us if he's going to be out there or not because they wouldn't activate him and then make him you know inactive and just go through that whole process might as well just leave him on there for another week so If Marquise Brown is back, the most ideal situation, Nick, would be he just moves A.J. Green and Robbie Anderson straight to the bench and we get a full game of Hopkins, Hollywood and Rondale Moore. I am not 100% confident that's going to happen, though. We did see this happen last year where A.J. Green and Antoine Wesley, unfortunately, kept having that full-time role and Rondale Moore was relegated to more of a gadget play. So Rondale playing a lot better this year than he did last year, just to be quite frank with it. I want to assume rational coaching here, Nick, but as we know in Arizona, it's not always the easiest thing to do. How concerned are you about Marquise Brown's return for Rondale Moore and to a lesser extent, DeAndre Hopkins?
1: Uh, I'm not worried about DeAndre Hopkins. I, I was filtering through, uh, data the other day and, and thought for a second that, that Hopkins like 45, uh, targets since he's come back or 47, uh, was like an error. Cause he's, he's just been a target vacuum. I'm not worried about Hopkins at all. Um, and Rondale, I think he's been double digits in three of the last four weeks. Like he, he's doing a really good job targets, you know, targets are earned, um, Wide receivers in their initial game back from from non-specific foot injuries. They, they, it's not bad. It's not like worst-case scenario, but it, it can take them a little while to to get going again. So, um, I think we start Hopkins and Rondale just sort of as we normally would, and not really overthink it. You know, another factor here is that Zach Ertz is out of the lineup, so like Hollywood yeah. com- could just come in and just t- kind of take that role and we or you know that target role and. and nothing might change or i don't think anything will change for the other wide receivers
0: We have seen guys in this offense like Robbie, even James Conner, a little bit play, but under a little bit of a pitch count. So I'm not trusting Marquise Brown this week. It's also a really tough matchup against the 49ers, likely with your backup quarterback out there that we've seen be far more willing to just check the ball down to Hopkins and Rondale than necessarily air it out to Hollywood. So very good that Marquise Brown is like back this soon. I don't know. It sounded like I think the first actual uh, diagnosis was that it was going to be a season ending issue. So very good news there i am going to continue to treat Rondale as a low-end wide receiver too regardless of marquise's overall status so good point there nick Bengals wide receiver jamar chase out for another week with a hip injury continue to fire up t higgins and mostly tyler boyd in all your fantasy lineups also don't be surprised if hayden hurst gets a little bit healthier coming off that buy gets a little top 10 treatment himself raiders wide receiver Devonte adams officially questionable with an abdomen injury i'm tentatively expecting him to play because he practiced in a limited fashion all week. One hell of a matchup here, though. I think he's going to get shadow coverage from Patrick Sertan, PFF's highest graded cornerback in overall defensive grade among 132 qualified players at the position. So, look, Adams went for like 90 yards and caught eight passes when he got shadowed by Sertan earlier this season, but it's going to make life tougher and Should he bench Adams? Of course, freaking not. But hey, I'm just saying it's going to be fun. Go out there. Let's watch some good football and tournaments on DraftKings. That's where maybe you consider this a little bit more and take your foot off the gas. But always remember, matchups, tiebreaker, not a rule of thumb. Start your studs. Eagles wide receivers AJ Brown and Devontae Smith good to go playing through those respective ankle and knee injuries remember Dallas Goddard is out of the picture with that shoulder issue so it would make a lot of sense if AJB and Devontae have a little bit higher of a target floor also Nick it does seem like Stephon Gilmore should be tracking AJ Brown all over the field he's usually shadowed throughout the year now he didn't against Devontae Adams every snap last week we obviously saw high leverage situations at the end he got another game winning PBU dudes have having a hell of a season, but I do wonder, man, could this be the week we really get back to seeing that Devontae Smith uh breakout going on, maybe feasting against the lesser corners in that Indianapolis defense. Then again, the Colts have been pretty damn good overall this year against wide receivers. How are you feeling about this matchup, Nick? Because I do, uh, one of my picks on the Rotor Grinder show was the Colts plus seven, just because this is a banged up Eagles offense. And we've already talked about some of their deficiencies on run defense. So if styles make fights here, man, I do think the Colts offense should be a little bit better than we'd expect against this Eagles defense. And again, if we're looking at what the Eagles can do offensively, pretty much everyone is banged up in their passing game right now. And they're facing a pretty damn good pass defense.
1: Yeah. Colts plus seven sounds pretty reasonable to me. Um, Isaiah Rogers is not a hes He's a pretty decent corner. Kenny Moore is He's beatable. If if Devontae Smith gets some more time on the interior with uh, Goddard out, I think that that would be really smart. But there are I, I thought about writing up a couple players this matchup actually did write up uh, Paris Campbell. I think that this one offers a lot of interesting questions that we kind of get to figure out. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of moving parts here.
0: Absolutely. Vikings wide receiver, Justin Jefferson, not listed with this toe injury. The only fun uh, kind of point about this is that Trayvon Diggs got asked to name his top five wide receivers in the league this week and curiously left off one Justin Jefferson. Now, the list wasn't as egregious as people are making it out to be. He had his brother, Stefan Diggs, at number one, Devontae Adams, number two, Tyreek Hill, number three, Jamar Chase, number four, which I think everyone can pretty much agree with is fair. The only reach was, yeah, his teammate, cd lamb actually going in there and being number five so yeah he took his teammate over justin jefferson but i didn't think it was the most absurd or the most slanderous thing out there yeah guys it is what it is there but next up Chiefs wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster out with a concussion. Mikael Hartman on IR with that abdomen injury. Yes, that's right. That's Kadarius Tony's music you are hearing, ladies and mostly <laughs> gentlemen. It is time unleash the beast. We just got to start to question Alave or Kadarius Tony this week. And while I still just barely lean Chris Alave, I legitimately have Kadarius Tony as my wide receiver 13 on the week. So it's a hell of a problem to have out there, and I think it's close enough that if you want to go with Tony you should feel just fine doing that. So it's just one of those things, man, where all we have left, mvs justin watson sky moore and the top ranked scoring offense we've already seen them increasing tony's usage we've heard patrick mahomes say himself that he'll continue to get more and more run out there in the offense travis kelsey every other day just keeps remarking to someone that he can't believe that Kadarius tony ever found a way out of the out of new york like what's the trap here nick what are we missing because Kadarius tony so far looks fantastic in a chief's uniform and hell he's been pretty good with the football too
1: that is a phenomenal start sit question to have. My 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 answer to that is just start them both. I like right. <laughs> why would we, why would it be between that and not? Um, yeah, I try to start them both there. I might have to. I so I have Tony as a high end wide receiver too. And um, it really, it was it was this was earlier in the week waiting on some injuries to pan out, um, just seeing how he responded to a, a moderate size workload. Um, he probably deserves to just be in the wide receiver one conversation right now.
0: It's wild wild times to be alive gotta love it all those weeks guys all those weeks we had tony sitting on our bench with the fake hamstring injury wondering if we it was it. worth it we made it hopefully fingers crossed knock on wood let's go Kadarius tony love the freaking memes of him you know saint patrick mahomes and just getting the laser eyes treatment on twitter fun times being had by all these Kadarius tony managers all right bills all right angels back he also has tyler boyd Jeez, man Three of my top 14 wide receivers. Pick your freaking, pick your fighter. They're all awesome choices. Appreciate you tuning in though, Angel. Bill's wide receiver, Isaiah McKenzie, not listed. He had some, you know, worrying illness earlier in the week, but he is good to go interesting, man. I think Isaiah McKenzie is low-key a pretty good uh, wide receiver three this week. He ran around 80% of Josh Allen's dropbacks last week. He's been distancing himself from Khalil Shakur now ever since that brutal game he had against the Chiefs quite some time ago. So with McKenzie getting the feast on a Browns defense that's 31st in scoring and EPA allowed per play. And oh, hey, guess what? First round pick and slot corner Greg Newsom ruled out the concussion that he just suffered on Friday. So I don't like McKenzie's over on 25.5 receiving yards i love it nick and don't underestimate what he can do as a pure fantasy piece as well with the giants wandale robinson questionable with the hamstring got downgraded on thursday it sounds like he still has a chance to play but look we already had enough volume concerns here only wide receiver that is fantasy viable this week is going to be Darius slayton who nick very rightfully, called out as a nice breakout play last week. Great job by you, Nick. With the Houston Texans, Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins were limited earlier in the week, but they are not listed on the final injury report. Just realize, guys, this is an offense implied to score fewer than 19 points. I mean, other than Damian Pierce, none of these guys need to be in your lineups with the Denver Broncos. Jerry Judy out with an ankle KJ Hambler out with a hamstring injury. And oh, hey, we got Kendall Hinton. If that's not enough. Also questionable here. Actually, not questionable. Yes, he is questionable. My bad. I got my editors freaking messing with my sheet as I'm trying to talk during the podcast, but we'll roll with the punches here, Nick. Kendall Hinton, questionable with the shoulder injury. All that to say, Cortland Sutton is set up for all sorts of workload. I will say, Nick, I do my rankings on Tuesday night, and I just got sad ranking Cortland Sutton because I had to literally get to like wide receiver 18, wide receiver 19 before I felt comfortable putting the guy there. And like, if he just would have told us the scenarios a couple months ago in August, we'd be talking about him being a top 10 option at the position, if not top five without Judy, without Hamler, without anybody there, absolute madness. So where do you have Sutton this week? Because right now I've met wide receiver 19 ahead of fellow guys in fairly brutal passing games like Deontay Johnson, like DJ Moore, like Brandon Cooks and among other guys. But I would still start guys like Gabriel Davis, Amari Cooper, even Devontae Smith ahead of Corlin Sutton this week. How do you feel?
1: Yeah, I've got him as the wide receiver 22 right now. And I, uh. I actually, I'm going to do updates this afternoon. I He might end up as a high-end wide receiver three.
0: Miguel, I will go with Gabriel Davis over George Pickens and Paris Campbell, and that start sit. Good guys to have, though. I really do think Pickens. We're going to see some big days here, potentially this week, against an overrated, in my opinion, Bengals secondary. Paris Campbell, three top 12 finishes, last three games, and Matt Ryan under center, just a little more worried about that Eagles game. Again, I think it can be close, but I think their path to success is going to be more so on the ground than through the air. What's up, Nick?
1: He's he's lining up against a backup uh, slot corner Josiah Scott. I wrote him uh-huh. up in the uh, wide receiver cornerback matchup. I like him a lot this week.
0: Okay, that's fine, but we're still taking Gabe Davis over him. That's yes, the only
1: thing. yes sir. Yeah, yes, that's sir. all.
0: But Paris Campbell certainly on the up and up, more than worthy of wide receiver three consideration with the Chargers. Another. Freaking primetime game time decision. If I was commissioner of the NFL, everybody, I would make primetime game time decisions illegal. But until then, we're going to have to continue to deal with it. So Chargers wide receiver Keenan Allen is questionable with the hamstring. And Brandon Staley called him a game time decision. Mike Williams also questionable, but he came out and said that he expects to play. So that's awesome. Immediately back on the wide receiver two map feeling good against the Chiefs secondary that has allowed the fifth most PPR points per game to opposing wide receivers this season. But again, they play on Sunday night. So no, you can't trust Keenan Allen. I mean, you'd have to have like a pretty funky start set thing. I mean, I would start Kadarius Tony over Keenan Allen straight up. Even if we find out he's going to be back there. So man, if it's like Keenan, like an MVS or something, then okay. You can probably ride it out if it's Keenan. And I mean, hell, I, I'd probably start brand Nayuk over Keenan. I'd start, uh, I start Rondale Moore probably over Keenan. That'd be a tough one. Yeah, still? I think so. Yeah. All right. It's just unfortunate we got to go through all this with Keenan. Hopefully he gets healthy sooner rather than later. DeAndre Carter is not listed. But yeah, with with Carter and Josh Palmer, guys, even with only Mike Williams coming back, it's going to be pretty severe downgrades for both guys. All right, we can rip through some of these now. Patriots wide receiver Devontae Parker. Questionable with a knee. We only care about Jacoby Myers anyway. Commanders wide receiver Curtis Samuel. Good to go with that shin injury. Wide receiver 26, 37, 13, and 64 finishes in four games with Heineke under center. Rock solid wide receiver three. Saints wide receiver Jarvis Landry, not listed, working as the offense's number two wide receiver and an offense that has scored 23 points in their last uh, eight quarters, not great. Lions wide receiver Josh Reynolds looks to be on the wrong side of questionable, downgraded to a DMP on Friday. Khalif Raymond, Tom Kennedy on the outside, Sun God in the slot who is the only one we really care about here. Jets wide receiver Corey Davis out with a knee injury. Why does this matter, Ian? Because believe it or not, when we did get the first three weeks of Zach Wilson being back under center, Corey Davis was leading this offense in receiving yards without him the picture Garrett Wilson. We can feel much better about going back to as a talent-based wide receiver three. Don't forget before the buy 115 yards and 92 yards on eight catches uh, before heading to that buy. Maybe the Elijah Moore slot experiment, you know, completely changes things, but I will believe believe it when i see it there and finally bears wide receiver Nikhil harry ruled out with an illness maybe now chase claypool will like actually get a chance to play a little bit they traded a second round pick for their wide receiver five at the moment um i know it's early i know he's learning a playbook but i don't know guys we see uh, tj hawkinson go to minnesota and just immediately playing 90 plus snaps kind of wish they could figure that out in the meantime darnell mooney a soft wide receiver three and that is it for wide receiver At tight end, another one of those damn game time decisions, Nick. At least this one is for a 1 o'clock game. It's going to be Mark Andrews with that knee and shoulder issue. So, look, if Andrews is healthy enough to suit up, we are firing him up as a top two option at the position, as always. If not, Isaiah likely becomes interesting. So, I think it's a tier here. Nick, where it's Kelsey, like just looking at the overall rankings, Kelsey, Kittle, and Hawkinson, I think are pretty deserving of the top three spots. Dalton Schultz, four, if you even want to put him in that top tier, okay. But after that, where we have Everett, likely Friermuth, Pitts, even like Comet, if you wanted to scramble those guys, rank them in any, any order you want, I probably wouldn't overly disagree with it. I personally have it. Schultz number four, Everett five, Isaiah Likely six, and then Firemuth and Pitts. How do you feel about Isaiah Likely if Mark Andrews is ruled
1: out? Uh, the only name that that was different in like in our our grouping there it was just I have Pat Fryermuth just a little bit below, but like our all of those names are are my top eight, so okay. we're in lockstep.
0: Same page. Good to hear. Good news is Browns tight end David Njoku is feasibly back. He is listed as questionable, but says he will be playing through that tag. Now, it would make sense if he's not playing his usual 90% plus snap roll, but just to see him back from this ankle injury, very good news moving forward. Deshaun Watson back in the fold starting in week 13, and you look at what Njoku was able to do during his past five games with Jacoby under center, tight end 2, 11, 6, 17, and 5. This could be a legit top five tight end down the stretch with Deshaun Watson, so if you guys see David Njoku out there on the waiver wire, don't Don't love starting him this week, but also someone that I think when I update my rankings could feasibly be in the top 15, 16, definitely someone that we're going to be feeling better about down the road once we're for sure positive. He's getting that big time role. I think a good start sick question, Nick would be like, how would you rank Dave Njoku versus someone like Foster Moreau or Greg Dolcich, who were more confident in their role this week, but we know Njoku has the higher best case upside.
1: Uh, I would go Njoku or, uh, uh, Dulcich Njoku and then, uh, and, and then Foster
0: Moreau. Okay. Right behind Moreau in my ranks, I have Trey McBride, who of course has taken over for Zach Ertz, who just suffered a season-ending knee injury. Here's the thing with Trey McBride. If we get the same role that we had last week, which was legit every down, 91% snaps, he's going to be up in the top 10 almost immediately. This is a talented receiver that we're calling a tight end, which is always a fun time. Not to dismiss what McBride can do as a blocker, more so complimenting his uh, just receiving ability. But the thing is, Max Williams was not active for that game he is likely going to be elevated from the practice squad on saturday so again i would like to start some of these other guys that we're more sure of with the role Dolchich, higby hayden Hurst, commit even david najoku i'm starting them ahead of uh, ahead of trey mcbride this week moving forward though could quickly become a weekly top 10 option much less certain about what's going on in Philadelphia with Dallas Goddard on IR with a shoulder injury. We should see Jack Stoll out there as the primary tight end, whether that's going to be 50% of the snaps or 90% of the snaps remains to be seen. Do you have any feel on that one, Nick? Because my issue is it doesn't even look like Stoll has all that much you know, upside. Our f- friends over at a player profiler, Compton to Anthony Fasano, which you know didn't exactly get me pumped.
1: I I opted for uh, Calcaterra Grant Calcaterra. I keep wanting to call him Kyle Calcaterra. Um, Grant. Grant Calcaterra, yeah, uh, just because he is the like, he kind of he had a better collegiate receiving profile. I'm not like pumped about him, but I, I think I added him in like one or two industry leagues, and I added Trey McBride everywhere I could, um, just as you know just hold him and see what happens. And after one week, you can probably drop him.
0: Can you name the other tight end on the Eagles roster right now?
1: The other time, uh, no, I'm sorry. He, he
0: he played quarterback in college. Tyree I, Jackson.
1: No. That's a fun no, I one. Would not a
0: That could be a fun one, but yeah, and and the story here, I do not think there's going to be a fantasy relevant tight end in Philly during Goddard's absence. Bears tight end Cole Komet, good to go. He had that thigh injury earlier in the week, not listed on the final injury report. I would just say people like he has five touchdowns over the past three weeks on 15 total targets. So it's one of those things where, hey, he's scoring. And as long as Justin Fields keeps on having a high passing touchdown rate, it's going to be fine. But man, this is still just such a low volume passing game. Nothing against Komet. He's clearly shown he has a good ability to go find the end zone, but don't be surprised if it is going to be a bit boomer busty down the stretch. Good news, Charles. Um, G- Gerald Everett, Chargers tight end, not listed with that groin injury, went for six catches, 71 yards against this very Chiefs defense back in Week 2. I think he warrants top six treatment at the position. Final few notes, uh, Giants tight end Daniel Bellinger out again with that eye injury. They're using a committee behind him, can't trust anyone. Colts tight end Jelani Woods is out with a shoulder injury. They're going to split up things with Kylan Grant into mo alley cox so we can't really trust them and finally commander's tight end this one's interesting logan thomas is not listed with a rib injury he actually did run a route on 79 percent of heineke's dropbacks last week which is as elite as we could basically ask for usually it's that 80 threshold 79 okay we'll take it and we got armani rogers out with a knee injury armani is kind of their other tight end that they are more willing to throw the ball to versus guys like john bates so hey man washington going up against his houston secondary 30th rent group and coverage grade i mean i think guys like like look i would start foster moreau trey mcbride even probably like Tyler Conklin stuff among others ahead of Logan Thomas, but I've heard worse ideas in DFS land. Do you have any feel here for Logan Thomas, Nick?
1: You basically just said it. I wouldn't start him in redraft. I'd consider him in, in GPP, but like that that knee we talked about that early in the season. I think he tore three different ligaments. Like it's he
0: hasn't looked the same.
1: Yeah. Yeah damn.
0: All right. Two other notes, just real quick on defense. Steelers safety uh, Minka Fitzpatrick somehow had the apodectomy like last Saturday. He's good to go. Already practicing in full, not listed, and he'll be back. So this is going to be the first time since, I believe, week one. That was when TJ Watt, I believe, originally got hurt that the Steelers are going to have Watt and Fitzpatrick back fully healthy. So wouldn't be surprised at all. Not saying they're going to dominate the Bengals, but should at least be a more uh, decent defense here moving forward. And we also have Texans cornerback Derek Stingley Jr., number three overall pick in the draft out with a hamstring injury. So I had my shadow uh, matchup column go up on Thursday and I was well aware that Stingley was expected to shadow Terry McLaurin and I couldn't have cared less because you looked at the guys he's been facing (laughs) this year. Corlin Sutton, Mike Williams went for over 100. Devontae Adams did as well. I think AJ Brown got held to like 59, but he even scored a touchdown in that matchup. So for me, looking at Terry McLaurin, who has just been eviscerating everyone that's tried to shadow him this year, I love Terry to begin with upgrading him because of this matchup so of course when we lose this guy and now we get the backup in the equation i'm not going to be fair in that so again stingley very, very bright future. He's being asked though to cover legit number one wide receivers. So that's why he's not even graded inside a PF's top 100 cornerbacks this year in pure coverage grades. So guys can't miss prop of the week. We were able to come get home on the Dalton Schultz one. I'm trying to do a better job, not screaming it at you, you know, 10 times during the podcast, but we'll wait for two or three here just to make sure you get it. Terry McLaurin over receiving yards. And what's wild to me about this one is I expected to see the similar reasoning with Dalton Schultz last week, Nick, which was the quarterback change of one quarterback being way better for the receiver than the other one. This one, I can't even figure out why the line's so low. I think it should be 10 yards higher because for the season, McLaurin is averaging 73.7 receiving yards per game. And with Heineke under center, he's gone for 73, 113, 56, and 128. So again, 30th ranked secondary NPFF coverage grade and they just lost their number one freaking cornerback so what am I missing here Nick I get it it could be an erratic Hanneke performance and there are some other weapons here but Terry McLaurin man eighth in the NFL and receiving yards can't even get a prop at 60 that's just that's a slap in the face man
1: yeah so we'll we'll slap them right back I wrote (laughs) uh I I put Terry McLaurin as a wide receiver to target this week I, I love it
0: Great stuff. We will slap the shit out of them back. Before we get finished up here, Nick, let's give a quick shout out to our friends over at Sleeper. Got to do our Sleeper segment of the week. And our Sleeper of the week, I'm going to go back to my guy, Isaiah McKenzie. And I would say those are my two favorite props I've managed to find digging around over, overall. So, Isaiah McKenzie, again, just 25.5 receiving yards is his receiving prop. And I even think as a wide receiver, three against the Browns defense that is without Greg Newsom. And guess what? They were pretty terrible. Terrible, even with Greg and Newsom out there this year, specifically against the pass. So getting to move indoors, this potential shootout now, Isaiah McKenzie, number three wide receiver in the NFLs, I believe. Are the Bills still second-ranked scoring if they're not their top five? Fantastic offense that we know is capable of putting up all sorts of yards at the drop of the hat. Isaiah McKenzie, my sleeper of the week. You got a sleeper of the week, Nick? I'm putting you on the spot here, but I don't know. Yeah. Any, anyone? Hey, who you got? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, we're gonna go with Houston Texans slot receiver Chris Moore. Ooh. Has, uh, yep, yep. Top twelve uh, slot receiver in PFF slot receiving grade, targets per run, and yard, and yards per run over the last two weeks. Uh, I just I think he's gonna beat the hell out of Bobby McCain. <laughs> Who's they the the Washington slot coverage? They're on their I think third or fourth guy this year, and yeah, I I think Moore can get it done.
0: I believe Chris Moore actually made my sheesh column. Yeah, he actually he was open for a 16-yard touchdown last week with Davis Mills I uh, sailed it out the end zone. So, hey, Nick, we'll see. I was uh, I was telling Dwayne on uh, Sunday night when we are doing our game breakdowns, like we're about to get into uh, Nick's DFS article here, which you guys can find on PFF.com every single Saturday now where he goes over his five favorite plays. But, you know, you have the same thing this week, four of your plays – last two weeks and this week as well like I really agree with I see where you're coming from and I'm with you but over these past two weeks you had Jeff Wilson and Darius Slayton who I'll be honest I thought you were wrong man I just did not see the upside for them and my god both guys scored both guys had you know actual big games with the yardage as well great calls by you my friend so with that let's get to your DFS cheat sheet top five DFS plays of the week Going to go through these. I'll get to a couple cash and tournament strategies. Get a nice little 15-minute here rundown of the slate. So with that said, Nick, we're focusing on DraftKings, mostly here on the main slate, 1 p.m. and 4 o'clock. Now let's talk about Kenyon Drake, Baltimore Ravens, RB1. The one thing I really love about this play, in addition to some of the notes you have about just the matchup, is the fact that a lot of people still are on Deontay Foreman based on some of these big games that he's had. And hey, guess what? When they've been able to win two of those games by double-digit points, have this you know entertaining back-and-forth shootout with the Falcons that goes to overtime, it's been perfect game script for Deontay Foreman. He's 12 and a half point dog this week, but people aren't necessarily putting that as much into the equation as I think they should. So why not go to the other side of the field and take the fellow early down, run heavy running back that actually has the game script we're looking for.
1: Yeah. So there's a, there are a lot of factors that, that, that make me like Kenyon Drake this week, who is not someone who I'm, I'm typical typically on board with, but Baltimore Ravens, uh, thirteen point home favorites against the Panthers. They've got a twenty-seven point two five points implied team total. Uh, as things stand, the the Panthers' defensive front it, they're they're, they're kind of all over the place, but they're they're a middling unit overall. Um, unfortunately, they are likely to be without defensive tackle, starting defensive tackle Matt Ionitis, and rotational run defensive tackle uh date Daven David nixon um so they're going to be a little bit weaker than they typically are game script is going to be in kenya drake's favor i've also got some weather report data in here um there's a, a great piece that i found by scott Spratt from 2018 at pff where he talks about the effect that um sub 30 degree weather has as well as uh, wind speed has on the game without getting too deep into this, basically uh the the figures come together to to project like a five percent dip in completion percentage for the the with the current forecast uh, at Baltimore Stadium. Baltimore is a really smart team. I, I think that they're going to be aware of the difficulties they're going to face weather-wise. And so I think that they're going to give a little bit more to the run game even than they normally would because of that. Um, Quickly,
0: uh, Nick, on on that weather front, I always love checking out Kevin Ross, NFL Weather Edge over at RotoGrinders, And we do have two games in the yellow this week, which means you do have to consider downgrading those passing games. So yes, Panthers in Baltimore. His notes are saying it's breezy, especially early, sustained winds around 15 miles. Miles per hour with Gus up to 20 miles per hour. And that usually is that magic point that we can't expect some downgrades. The other matchup, Detroit against the Giants, where he knows similar to Baltimore, especially early going to be an issue, but the wind should be tapering off late. So fair to prioritize the run games in those games versus the passing attacks.
1: Cool. Um, so when we get to Gus Edwards, I've included the, the, uh, the volatility with, with hamstring injuries as it pertains to running backs in the article. Um, they come with a 14.3% re-injury rate. They've got a 24.9% dip in fantasy production upon their initial return. That's as always props to Adam Hutchison. Um, He has had uh, two weeks to get right and, or three weeks to get right, but they tend to miss three games. So he's technically going to come back a little bit early and I'm um, actually, what was his, so he went limited, limited and okay. Limited again. So he, Gus Edwards is not fully healthy. Does that mean he won't play? We don't know, but given the current situation, I think that Kenyon Drake is going to have a decent sized workload here. The other thing is that Drake has kind of just been dominating the passing down work. It, he doesn't get a huge amount of, of passing game vol- volume, but it is his to lose. And as a rusher, he's he's not running uh, terribly well through contact, but he is being efficient uh, on the ground. So things are all just kind of coming together here. I think for potentially a multi touchdown outing from Kenyon Drake, um, the uh the panthers so they are averaging 19 uh opponent rush attempts inside their own five per game which is second most in the nfl wait wait wait,
0: no (laughs) is that like on the season
1: that is uh you can go check this out this is per the uh pff offensive line defensive line uh matchup uh uh chart and and i was kind of shocked by that figure maybe i'll have to go double check that figure but as it says in there, the raw total per game, 19
0: Um, rush attempts inside the five. We got to get that fixed. Jesus Christ. All
1: right. I mean, yeah, we we can take a look at it, but perhaps (laughs) a more, a more helpful uh, uh, data point, which I have in here is their rush touchdown conversion rate allowed inside the five is at 47%, which is bottom five and also very believable. So I think Kenyon Drake can have a nice uh, game here, but yeah. Tell me what you think.
0: No, I think all that's fair, even uh, with our potentially faulty inside the five rate aside. I think every look at the end of the day, it's a running back looking at potentially upwards of 15 to 20 touches inside of an offense at home favored by 12 and a half. And one of the things you can check out in my mismatch manifesto article is the reality that the Ravens have one of the biggest advantages at the line of scrimmage of the entire week in terms of their combined yards before contact per carry. So really only the Lions against the Giants and the Bills against the Browns are better Positioned and hey, Kenyon Drake not getting nearly as as much attention as guys like Devin Singletary and even Jamal Williams on DraftKings. So cool with that call. Next up, you're going back to the well with the man that has four straight weeks as a top five fantasy quarterback, Justin freaking Fields, now all the way up to 7.6 K on DraftKings this week, facing off against the Falcons in Atlanta. So we got that dome life in a week where we are having to deal with some of mother nature's bullshit. So looking at Fields, I think the one interesting thing amongst Mm -hmm. others that you bring up in the breakdown is the fact that he only has a 7.1 percent projected ownership rate, which you guys can find at PFF.com and this really is something at quarterback that we see a lot, even the more chalky quarterbacks, which he's not necessarily this week, only fifth highest on the week in terms of projected ownership, but as much as, you know, getting off the chalky running back or wide receiver can make sense at quarterback. We tend to see the overall ownership much more flat relative to other positions. So just from that case alone, I mean, don't be afraid to keep going back to the well with this guy and especially when he t- continues to have arguably the most fancy friendly role in all of football. I mean, the Bears have been perfect because we actually have the dual threat quarterback putting up points on top of a horrendous defense on the other side of the ball that forces him to keep his gas on, you know, keep his foot on the gas for 60 entire minutes. So talk a little bit too, Nick about how, Hey, it actually could be a not rare game. Again, they've had some passing success in the past few weeks too, but man, I know AJ Terrell is questionable with that hamstring injury, but even before he was out, man, this was already a rough unit expectations for Justin Fields this week against the Falcons.
1: So uh, the 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 fun thing with this is that Fields has really uh, excelled as a, a an intermediate depth passer between 10 and 19 yards down the field. That's also where the Falcons are just getting blow-torched. Um So they're in in that range. They're number 27 in PFF uh, uh, coverage grade. They are. They're <laughs> this is so bad. They're they're 25th in yards allowed per coverage snap uh, 32nd, uh, no, excuse me, 25th in catch rate allowed. And they are, they're the most fantasy friendly team or, or offensive friendly team, uh, in yards allowed for coverage snap on targets between 10 and 19 yards down the field. Uh, their 25th in explosive pass play rate allowed. And their open target rate is, uh, 39.5%. That's 19th. And I think that all that is really interesting here with, um, one field's ability to, to deliver the ball in that area. But what I see matching up very well is the speed of Darnell Mooney and Equinemius St. Brown. Uh, you know, St. Brown, he's, he's not what his, his brother is per se, but they're both 88th percentile in uh, the 10 yard split in their 40 yard dashes. And with this open target rate and this propensity for allowing big plays, I think that those guys can have, I think that they can help Justin Fields get to a, a big time passing day, um, on that in, in that intermediate area of the field. Um, We don't need to cover in depth how good of a rusher Justin Fields has been. He is insanely elite in this regard. And the Atlanta Falcons um, front seven is is really not very good uh, against the run. They're allowing 1.58 rushing yards before contact. That's fifth most. Uh, They have had a 63.2% negatively graded run play uh, rate, which is 11th highest. So I, I like Fields' ability to just get it done both ways here.
0: After Justin Fields moving it right along, we have... Uh, quite the, uh, you know, I don't want to say LVP of fantasy, but <laughs> Kyle Pitts has not been helping people, but I will say, so things have changed a little bit for Pitts. And i talked about this in my weekly wide receiver cornerback article where earlier on in the year, it was more of an issue of how he was being used and we working enough volume going his way, but that really has changed. Now it hasn't been as extraordinary as we would hope, but at the end of the day, Kyle Pitts is the tight end seven and expected PPR points per game on the season. I mean, he's tight end 21 in real fantasy points per game. As someone that drafted entirely too much Kyle Pitts, I would love if he could be at the tight end seven at this point. But again, that means his workload has been at the top eight variety, but yes, he has been. Whether you want to call him the worst, I wouldn't. I think it's more of an issue with Mariota and the offense. I'll say most unlucky tight end out there, League-high 34.2 fantasy points per game, not per game, overall below expectation on the season. Only Chris Olave and Deontay Johnson have more unrealized air yards than Kyle Pitts. So the opportunities are there, Nick. We saw him a couple weeks ago with the ball in the open field go for 80 yards and a score. He has the upside. We know what he can do. Can this be the week and a potential shootout with that game total? One of the few, I think it's only bears Falcons and chiefs chargers in the fifties this week. Can we finally get behind Kyle Pitts? Come on.
1: I think so. Uh, I like him a lot as a GPP play. I think you could fire him up in cash too. Um, among NFL tight ends with thirty, uh, no, excuse me, thirty NFL tight ends with at least twenty-five targets, uh, Pitts is number two in targets per route run. He's number seven in yards per route run. Uh, number one in average depth of target. What what is fun about this matchup is the Chicago Bears linebackers, uh, their interior guys, are both kind of uniquely bad in their own way. So uh, Nicholas Morrow, he's a very good tackler, but he allows a seventy-one percent open target rate and. <laughs> Um, and he is, sorry, he is. Yeah. He's, so he's the sure tackler, uh, 71% open target rate and an 83.9 catch rate allowed. Now he is good at wrapping guys up once they've secured the pass, but he is really bad at preventing completion. So I think that Kyle Pitts can get the job done there. And Pitts has kind of struggled in the the catch rate department. And I, I think a lot of that is just because like you said, Mariota, he struggles to get in on target, but Moro is a guy who's going to give pits a lot of room to run now uh the number two interior linebacker here uh jack sanborn is the guy who replaced roquan smith um he is just like he's just bad all over um he's allowing 2.18 yards per coverage snap that's 35th among 40 linebackers over the last uh two weeks since he was since he's become a a starter he's got an 87.5 uh open target rate so like sanborn is he's just he's just out of his element donnie uh but yeah i i I like i like what Pitts can do uh against both of these guys and the way that the the chicago bears have changed their play calling since week six has one opened up their own offense but two facilitated a a higher pace of play for their opponent um and so i i think that Ultimately, what has been good for Justin Fields is also good for their opponents. Uh, the Falcons have a 26.25 in imp- uh, 26.25 points implied team total in this one. Um, I I mean, I know overs aren't really hitting this year. There is at 49 and a half. And I, I think they have a shot at hitting that. So I, Kyle Pitts, he's always risky. But this one, this one looks good as they always do. But this one looks good
0: they do always look so good and i appreciate your little shout out to donnie there well done good sir all right before we get to your main event and your main event is a certain rams running back as a little spoiler but i will talk about cd lamb a bit safer of a play 7500 on DraftKings just might not be high enough for a guy coming off that 150 yard two touchdown performance continuing to get to work from the sweet sweet friendly confines of the slot and i think that has been the big change that we've seen this year you know missing from the cowboys offense that you know, faltered when it, when it did not need to falter down the stretch last season. When they lost Michael Gallup what happened? They moved CeeDee Lamb to the outside and they had Cedric Wilson going from the slot. That's why you would have these annoying games like in the wild card round when you look up at the targets and CeeDee Lamb has five and Cedric Wilson and Dalton Schultz having far more. So just that, man, just having CeeDee Lamb more so in the slot. They've been willing to use him even in the backfield a time or two. He's getting, you know, schemed up to sort of touches we see. And as we saw last week, one of the latest guys, you know, just burned Jair Alexander to a crisp at points. So CeeDee Lamb, we've always known the talents there, the usage is also there, and they're doing a good job scheming him. I know Kellen Moore gets a lot of flack, and you know we can point to certain decisions made at certain times, and you know help back up some of those claims. But hey, at least for this year, doing a great job with CD. It's been awesome to see him really start to catch his stride with Dak under center. You like his chances of torching old man Patrick Peterson and backup Duke Shelley there on the outside.
1: Yeah, so um, so with Duke Shelley, he is actually he's their number three. Uh, no, number four cornerback because they've got Danzler on injured reserve and then his backup, uh, a Caleb, uh, what is his name? A Caleb Evans. He's out with a concussion. So Shelly, now Shelly did come up and he made a great play uh, at the end of the game last week. Uh, but he, he was, I think, a, a Chicago Bears cast off from last year. So that's not a great sign. Uh, Patrick Peterson, he has been really good. I think that one, the way Lamb wins, I think that he can kind of succeed against him, but two, I don't think he's really going to have to, uh, the, the wide receiver cornerback matchup chart projects him for 10 snaps against Patrick Peterson. The, the really exciting part here is the 19 projected snaps against slot cornerback Chandon Sullivan. Lamb, um so I for a variety of reasons I I enjoy talking about GPP plays but I think that L- Lamb is justifiably the chalk wide receiver play this week uh the the PFF projections ha- have him I think at like 25.7% roster ship rate that is going to be really high and it also might be hard to keep up with other teams in the field if you don't have him but across the board CD is is basically a top 6 slot receiver in the NFL he's number 4 in PFF uh, receiving grade. He's number six in targets per outrun, number three in yards per outrun. Um, the, the list goes on. He's number one in explosive pass plays generated. And that's super exciting. He has 16 of them in the slot. That's, he leads the, all NFL slot receivers by a margin of uh, three explosive pass plays. Um, Shannon Sullivan, conversely, 4.1% explosive pass play rate allowed. That's 26 uh, uh, in the NFL. With number one being uh, good, he is he is twenty uh, eighth in PFF slot coverage grade, eighty eight point four percent catch rate allowed. That's number twenty eight. Um, <laughs> he, he's C D going to
0: torch him. He's going to uh, freaking it, torch
1: it, him. It looks like C D is going to torch him. I I think that sometimes the the chalk plays can be a little bit risky, but this one looks like it's going to be a lot of fun.
0: If you guys do want to compliment a chalk player or two with some more lower-owned guys, I do have five wide receivers that I am looking to really feature in a lot of my tournament lineups. Tyler Boyd sitting there, a little bit overpriced, you might argue, and because of that, could come in under 5% ownership against the Steelers' defense. That's had a problem with slot receivers for years, and specifically, Boyd has scored in two of his last three against them. Also, anytime touchdown odds at plus 175, not looking too shabby. Chris Olave just had his second finish out outside the top 24 since week two. Not expecting him to catch that Jalen Ramsey shadow. He has only been assigned to DeAndre Hopkins on the season. And with that, we have a decent enough matchup against a Rams defense that gets a lot of respect, but for good reason. They have Donald and they have Ramsey, but they aren't this invincible juggernaut. This is still a defense that's allowed, you know, the eighth most PPR points per game to opposing wide receivers this season. Might actually be 10th, but my point is, you know, this can be a winnable matchup for Alave who has, again, one of the more fan friendly workloads in the league Amari Cooper also someone that what we're fading in a shootout in a dome because of these arbitrary home away splits that apparently have only impacted Amari Cooper and no other NFL player in the history of the league like look man I asked Kevin Cole who I enjoy talking to every Wednesday and Thursday here on the PFF fantasy football podcast Kevin, much smarter person than myself about some of this stuff just in terms of his ability to run regressions and models and stuff that I usually just put into Excel and move on to the next thing. I asked Kevin, is there any truth anything to the idea that cooper could just be like a significantly worse player on the road no it's noise okay even 17 game seasons are such a small sample compared to any other sport so i'm balking at the home away splits amari cooper against the bill secondary that's still banged up still not getting tredavious white back don't be afraid to go the well with cooper or even Don people's jones who's affordable enough in his own right Final points. Paris Campbell has a pivot off of Nico Collins. I do like that call. Again, three straight top 12 finishes. And as Nick brought up earlier, he, not three straight, with Matt Ryan under center, three straight. And as Nick brought up before, getting that sweet, sweet matchup from the friendly confines of the slot. And then finally, I want these Pittsburgh wide receivers, man. It's going to happen. It has to happen at some point, Nick. Deontay Johnson, league high, 80 freaking one targets without a touchdown. And George Pickens, like, look, I understand that he's not going to rush for a touchdown every week, but. With Chase Claypool out of the picture, we actually are seeing him now get those spare handoffs that they like giving to their wide receivers. And the biggest thing for me is we look at this Bengals team and they've actually been pretty good on defense this year. I mean, in the passing game, have yet to give up 300 yards in a game. They're like top 10 in PPR points per game, allowed the wide receivers and whatnot. I think it's a little bit flawed, man. You start looking at their actual schedule. Here are the quarterbacks that the Bengals have had the pleasure of facing this year. Mitch Trubisky, Cooper Rush, Joe Flacco, Tua for like a quarter, and then Teddy Bridgewater the rest of the game. Lamar Jackson, okay, yeah, that's tough. After that, Andy Dalton, Marcus Mariota, Jacoby Brissett, and PJ Walker slash Baker Mayfield. So, yeah, you know, you can only do what you're going to do against the competition that's placed in front of you, but you take away Chadobia Wouzier, who's done a pretty good job against Deontay Johnson over the years, and maybe just maybe we see Kenny Pickett start playing a little bit like a first round pick and we get some finally fireworks going in this offense so Deontay Pickens even some Pat Frymouth definitely some GPP options I'm looking for in the passing game and with that Nick our main event tell everyone why if you can keep your streak going here Jeff Wilson two weeks ago Darius Slayton last week and now Kyron Williams Rams running back what's what's going on with Kyron
1: so uh, remind me, I, uh, I, I spaced on sharing my uh, over unders, my um, my. Well, okay, we'll get we'll get yeah, to them. Yeah, we'll get back to those. But uh, so, Kyron Williams. All right, he's a GPP only play. I'm, you know, don't put him in a cash lineup, and mm-hmm. he, I think you need to be in a pretty rough spot to think of him in a redraft format. I probably will start him in a redraft league though. Um, the Los Angeles Rams are uh, three point road underdogs against the New Orleans Saints. So I think the, the game script will lean a little bit pass heavy last week. Kyron, he was not, he was not, he did not put up gaudy results in the box score, but his, his usage data was really promising. Uh, in his first NFL game, he outsnapped Drell Henderson 11 to nine on passing downs and four to two in goal to go situations. He was more efficient as a rusher, although he didn't got, he only had well, one carry. He took it for nine yards, What is really exciting with this, though, is among 39 NFL running backs with 10 receiving snaps in Week 10, Williams' 30 targets, 30% targets per out run rate, and 3.00 yards per out run rate were second only to uh, Jarek McKinnon on the week. Um, Oh, excuse me, Uh, his his targets per out run rate was fifth, and the yards per out run was uh, trailed only Jarek McKinnon at 3.11. Those are sizable targets for, I mean, we, we want like our number one receivers at these kinds of, of levels. And again, the workload. It was a. Sm- it's a small sample size, but that was an extremely promising debut as as a, a uh, I think a junior in, at the University of Notre Dame last year. He produced an 18.4 targets per outrun rate that was tied for 14th among all uh, NCAA running backs and 1.47 yards per outrun rate that was t- that was sixth. Um, so he has a good pass catching profile, and it was it was good to see him continue that in his first um, NFL game. Now. There are some injuries at play here. Cooper Cup is obviously out. I don't think that Williams can just become Cooper Cup's replacement, but they both work in the short area of the field. And Matthew Stafford, with some injuries on the offensive line, is going to be looking for an outlet pass with Cooper Cup off the field. Williams maybe could steal a little bit of that. As it pertains to... um injuries on the new Orleans side of things. They are very likely to be with, actually, I think we got a ruling on at least one of these guys, but Pete Warner was uh, all three uh, linebacker. Pete Warner was two DNPs Wednesday and Thursday with an ankle injury. Marcus Davenport was two DMPs with a calf injury. Hold on, I got it. I got
0: it. Uh, Pete okay. Warner is ruled out. Cameron Jordan is ruled out and Marcus Davenport ruled out three for three.
1: Yeah. So, so we have three uh, front seven starters who are, who are going to be out this week. Um, and these are not guys who had been big, like extended uh, injury absences that have been already influenced influencing New Orleans um, run defense data. These are, these are regular starters who were just out this week. Uh, that's significant. Uh, New Orleans, 57.6 PFF run defense grade is middle of the NFL. It's 18th in the NFL. Uh, they have a long list of missed tackles, 49 of them so far. That's eight, eighth most in the NFL. And they are allowing a 64% touchdown conversion rate. Um, inside the five that's third highest in the league so if this data holds this usage data hold I mean it would be great if it increased but if it just holds and he continues to to lead passing down snaps and lead on goal to goal touches the the table is set for Williams to just have a great game out of nowhere um again he is a Gpp play but you know we're, we're looking for home run hits and he he identifies um, in that regard.
0: So I think the one, especially when you hit Jeff Wilson a couple of weeks ago, the play here with Kyron is hopefully getting ahead of the incur- the really encouraging usage. If we see him go on and like take control of this backfield or just be the clear-cut pass down back, we're on it this week. Whereas if we see it this week, then next week he's going to be the tournament play that everyone is talking about potentially taking the step forward. My concern would be that a lot of those numbers could be skewed by the fact that He only had five snaps in the first 10 drives and they basically threw him out there for the entirety of the final drive. That said, he really made the most out of all of his touches on that drive. And you can say it was mop up and the defense wasn't trying as hard and all that. But my God, Cam Akers is dead last in the NFL in yards per touch. <laughs> Daryl Henderson, I think, has generally been good. I think he's probably, over the past two years, consistently been the Rams' best running back. And Sean McVay still will not give the guy any sort of benefit of the doubt when it comes to actually trying to give Henderson the full feature workload we've seen here. So, hey, man. I don't – Nick, it's one of those things where I agree with you. Don't do it in redraft. Don't do it – God, don't do it in cash. But, man, in a full PPR site like DraftKings – I mean, where else is the ball going to go in this Rams offense? I really – like, is Sean McVay going to dial up everything for Henderson? No. Akers, no. Tyler Higbee, I doubt it. But maybe – maybe we're looking up and we see Kyron Williams have those eight to 10 targets. So, okay, man, we'll see. I like the call. This is a, I've always want like Nick, if I ever get canceled, cancel and just have to go off my own thing. Like I'm doing a galaxy brain DFS podcast. Where we just smoke yeah. a ton of weed and you know, don't even have to like actually worry about it at that point. But for now I'll keep my, you know, corporate hat on and continue to try to be a good guy. But no, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure what you do in your off time when you're trying to come up with some of these, but you know, galaxy brain moved by you, my friend. And I'm talking, myself into it the more i get going so maybe just maybe we have a one source of life in the fantasy sphere over here with the rams let us know what prop bets you got real quick before we get out of here
1: yeah uh darnell mooney over 45 and a half receiving yards kyle pitts over 37 and a half receiving yards uh justin fields over half of a passing touchdown and then uh three cd lamb ones uh, over 5.5 receptions over 75 and a half receiving yards and and any t- uh, w- plus 110 anytime touchdown scorer.
0: What are the uh what are the odds on over a half passing touchdown for fields? And what was the juice? I
1: can I can find. Was out. it
0: clo- close to even? Minus
1: -115? I think that it was close, but wow. I'm, I'm, I got I'm pulling it up right now. Okay, uh, that's fair. I don't want to lead you guys astray.
0: You're good. I mean, against that Falcon secondary, I would have thought they'd given him like at least like one. You know, set it at one no. and kind of live with that. 0. 0.5. It
1: that's. It might no. This is this is my bad. He's it's, it's minus two eighty five. So it is not close. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's not them. awful, but it's yeah. It's you'd have to like parlay it.
0: That said, six straight games with a passing touchdown for Justin Fields. Great day to be great. Oh, look at mogul. You know, giving me a chance to actually bring up something he brought up instead of seeming like an egotistical, whatever guy. But yeah, guys, there is a lot of stuff going on with Twitter. I really don't pay attention to exactly all this. You know, when I get done for the day, I usually just watch like MMA videos and, you know, do whatever and bug Nick about, you know, how he comes to these great DFS picks and whatnot. But yes, if there is something crazy going on with Twitter, I mean, I still want somewhere to go barking to everyone and just being a little bit of an idiot from time to time and having fun. And as much as nothing will change, with the podcast, with my articles on pff.com. I am going to go, go ahead and start a newsletter where maybe at some point it's just things that I would have tweeted, but now we can't tweet. So I do tend to think that Twitter is going to live, but you know what? I've been meaning to do this anyway. Want to try to branch off in some other directions. And yeah, if you guys like some fancy football rambling, some other stuff and, you know, just general goodness, I am going to start trying to get this newsletter going. Great day to be great. It's pinned up on my Twitter account at It. Check it out. Subscribe if you're into it and god forbid you know one day we open up twitter and it disappears that's where you can find me but again the podcast is going nowhere and we still have other stuff going on as well so i'm not too worried last night was a pretty entertaining in the old uh twitter sphere with everyone freaking out with it we had my guy danny kelly over at the ringer you know retweeting all of his favorite jokes from over the years so just one of those things but trying to stay ahead and uh, as uh, wild as that would be you know if it just gets wiped off the earth uh, yeah we'll uh, we'll see what happens nick but uh what a world what a time to be alive some might say but you know what let's just focus on week 11 As uh, the big takeaway here go get those dubs go get us ready and set for hopefully a fantasy championship chase nick let the folks know what you got going on over at pff.com as well as another of a, a, a number of other places over the uh, fantasy industry
1: yeah, we've got the uh, wide receiver corner or wide receiver cornerback matchups to target and avoid it comes out on Fridays, the DFS cheat sheet, top five recommended plays, which we just covered uh, comes out on Saturdays. I've got weekly recaps on Monday mornings uh, at the 33rd team uh, starts and sits for all positions at four for four rankings at nerdball, as well as uh, my podcast on the uh, nerd ball fantasy football podcast feed. I think that's it at Nick Botaford NFL on Twitter
0: great day to be great give nick a follow and yeah guys just just have a good weekend how about that you know week 11 here we got ohio state michigan coming up next saturday i am absolutely terrified can't be overlooking maryland and their shitty ass crab cakes though and in the meantime i didn't mean it i didn't mean it i think crab cakes are good but seriously you are freaking dead maryland and with that we're gonna get going for nick i mean thanks as always for tuning in into pff fantasy football podcast until next time take care everybody